And welcome to episode 43 of The Postcast. My name is Sean Fairholm, here with Cassie Stein. Today we have on John Feinbrader, who uh, recently went to the Latin America Amateur in Santiago, Chile, and also the PGA show in Orlando. So we're going to talk with him about some of the uh, cool products he saw at the PGA show, also Joaquin Neiman's win at the Latin America Amateur, and a few other things in between. Listen in now. And now we'd like to welcome on John Steinbrader to the postcast. Steiny, welcome back to the States, I guess we should say, as you were in Chile last week for the Latin America Amateur Championship. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to always be with you guys and always great to be back home after a good but long trip down uh, to South America. We have a ton to, uh, to get to. You've been very busy. Uh, first, your, your trip to, uh, to Santiago. Had you, had you been before? Uh, not to not to Chile before, not to Santiago. So it was a a pleasure to see it, and it's uh, just a beautiful uh, city. Very um, very clean, very modern. Obviously, with lots of traditional colonial elements to it, but at the same token, a lot of skyscrapers. Uh, very very beautiful, sort of in this valley at the base of the Andes. Um, like I said, very comfortable, uh, very clean, very easy and safe to get around. And uh, really couldn't have had a better time there. Uh, um, just staggeringly beautiful, great wine, terrific food, and uh, the people were quite nice as well. And by the way, it was uh, uh, home to the hell of a golf tournament mm. while I was down there uh, to the, the Latin American Amateur. Before we jump into the competition itself, you just said it was your first time down there in Chile. Um, what are some of the cultural differences did you see when you go to a place, you know, like Santiago or somewhere in the States? Well, I mean, so much of it is language, of course, although, uh, you know, Spanish is something uh, I'm very familiar with. So it's kind of easy to get into that and to, and to listen to that and, and to be a part of, of that situation. It's quite cosmopolitan, you know, it's a city of... Uh, seven million people from the tropics of that size so it's it's very busy it's 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 very urbane in lots of ways it's uh, very leafy a lot of parks so it was pretty easy to adjust to you know uber works great down there um spanish is easy it's pretty easy to get by uh it's a very cosmopolitan city so they're quite used to foreigners from different countries so uh there's a lot of accommodation as far as that goes and, um, you know, pretty easy to adjust to the, you know, the exception of being a little bit of a language barrier, but not too much of what so many people speak English and, um, it's the richest, it's, it's the most prosperous of, uh, all the cities in South America and Chile, the richest, and most prosperous of all the countries down there. And it's really reflected in the way, uh, in the places we were in the capital, that sort of sense of it being quite modern and quite up to date. Of course, you're down there for uh, for a golf tournament, the Latin America Am, won by Joaquin Neiman in his, in his home country. I had a chance to talk with him last year. He's an incredibly Im- impressive young kid who, you know, number one ranked amateur in the world, uh, shot an incredible 63 on that final date to win. What what do you make of him? Unbelievable, Sean. I mean, this this kid. And I, you know, had read the piece you wrote about him last summer, and I was intrigued by him. And he won the Mark McCormick Medal, so of course you recognize he's got to be really good. And this was the first time in either the Latin American Amateur or sister tournament, the Asia Pacific Amateur, had the world number one ranked player in it. And uh, but I didn't know quite what to respect, expect. And the first day he shoots seventy four, which is three over par, and you're thinking, well, he's got to have some nerves. He's playing at home he's playing with a lot of expectations there was talk that if he 
uh, did not win the tournament and received the invitation to the Masters. It comes to the winner that he was just going to turn pro and get on with his professional career. Then he comes back the next day and shoots a nifty little 64, kind of gets himself within one or two shots of the lead, uh, shoots, I think it was 72, so one over par the third round. So he started in the second to the last group on uh, the final day and uh, back at Alvaro Ortiz of Mexico, who is a story in and of itself. And then Neiman goes out, he, uh, he's playing pretty well, birdies number three in the final round, then he eagles eight. It's a drivable par four. He hits his drive off a tree by the green. It bounces onto the green and is about eight feet from the hole. Drains that for an eagle. Then he proceeds to birdie five of the next six holes, shoot a 63, and win by five shots. <laughs> so, you know, the, the Johnny Miller-esque performance he put on in the final round was something to behold. And I spoke with some people down there who are much smarter than I am when it comes to determining whether somebody's actually tour ready or not. And the general sense was, is this guy's more than tour ready. And uh, he really put on a, a great display and showed amazing talent. And he's only, he's a baby. He's 19 years old. And um, he really, really played well. And it's just not him representing Chile on the, you know, world amateur stage. As you pointed out in your coverage, which you can find on globalgolfpost.com, they have a strong group of, group of players in the top 50. Can you talk about them a little bit and just what has spurred on the development of Chilean golf lately? You know, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, they've won three of the four Latin American amateurs now. Um, they had 11 players in the field, all but one of them made the, made the cut. Um, you know, a lot of them, Joaquin did not go to college in the States, but a lot of the Chilean players uh, are going or, or have gone to college and, and played college golf in the States. So I think that certainly helps. It's sort of hard to discern. They've just really come on in the last several years. Uh, Neiman, uh, who won this year, um, has the same coach as Toto Ghana, who won last year. So it's obviously good coaching. It's it, it, it's good development of the game. Uh, there's a strong middle class in Chile, so I think a lot of these kids started golf and got into golf uh, earlier and in the way you see it happen in the States a lot, more so than you would in other countries where there's a greater – other countries in South America where there's a greater disparity between the rich and the poor and not that middle class. I, I can't really put my finger on it except to say that as China is becoming a greater power in Asia, in the Asia-Pacific region, and – Four of the top five places in the Asia Pacific Amateur this past year were um, were finishers were Chinese golfers. You know the Chileans down in, in South America right now are really the class of the bunch and uh, are really stepping it up. And it's sort of surprising to some because when this was started in uh, four years ago, 2015 was the first edition of this tournament. Everybody was expecting that it was going to be the Argentinians that really dominated. So far, an Argentinian has not has yet to win this tournament, and uh, the Chileans have sort of surprised everybody by um, not sort of they have they surprised everybody by being as dominant as they have been so far. Let's go a little bit deeper on Alvaro Ortiz, who uh, is a 22 year old Mexican. He led heading into that final round before Neiman shot his 63 to kind of storm back. Uh, Alvaro's older brother Carlos, we kind of know him from having some success in the Web.com tour, and briefly had a stint on the PGA tour. Uh, can Alvaro play at that level as well? I think he can. He's a great kid. You know, he was the only one who shot in the tournament for uh, under par rounds. Uh, he played very well. He was two under par on um, the last day of the Latin American Amateur. He was three under par. Went out in thirty three. 
on the the morning of the final round and um, and just got overtaken by Neiman just shooting another worldly uh, uh, 18 holes of golf. So uh, he's a very strong player. He's a very competent player. He's uh, finished tied for third uh, once and tied for second twice in four Latin American amateurs. I think he's probably going to uh, turn pro by this time next year. Um, I know he wants to play a, a heavy amateur schedule this summer. He's going to try to qualify for the web.com tour as an amateur next fall. And if that does not work out, he'll play the Latin American amateur one more time, try to get that you know trip to Augusta one more time. And then, uh, depending upon that, turn pro, uh, whether right after the Latin American amateur or right after the Masters. Uh, he's a great kid. He's got... Um, Really, really strong short game. He's got good confidence, but uh, a, a great attitude. He's played now. He's in his fourth year at University of Arkansas. Uh, he, he's played a lot in the states. He's he's been good at the game. He's only nineteen. I mean, he's he, he too. I'm sorry, he's twenty two. He too is a baby, and um, and really just started you know playing and getting good when he was fourteen or fifteen years old. So I think he's got the game to uh, to do as well as his brother Carlos, if not better. Uh, uh, down the road in, uh, in professional golf. One last question before we move off the Latin America amateur. Can sure. you just talk a little bit about how the event has progressed in its brief history thus far? Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, question, Cassie. And it, it really is amazing. When it first started and, and it was held in 2015 at the Pilar Golf Club outside Buenos Aires, and it, it just... You know, again, at the very beginning, you had a handful of maybe 20 kids that were really good, you felt like, and the rest of the players. And not, not all kids, because there are quite a few mid-ams mixed in with a bunch as well, as it, as it deals with you know 27 or, or, or 28 countries around the uh, Latin American region. Um, you know, there was a kind of a bigger gap between the good and the, and the not-so-good players, and you know, what you found now in just a few years is the tournament is, A, so professionally run with the RNA and the USGA and the Masters people involved and so capably run. But the level of uh, play just keeps getting better and better. And it was remarkable to me to see uh, the type of golf I saw this year as opposed to what I saw four years ago when I was at the first one. Part of that is the beauty of this concept of trying, you know, it's elevating people's expectations. It's compelling people, the good players down there, to stay amateur for a little bit longer and try to get that, you know, punch that ticket to play in the Masters and to uh, get into the amateur championship and the U.S. amateur as well. It really is brought a lot of attention to golf and to amateur golf in the Latin American region. And the elevation of play and participation in just four years is shocking to me. It's absolutely working at uh, working brilliantly just as they hoped it would as it is also doing so in asia pacific and the asia pacific amateur so um I'm, I'm impressed by how quickly the latin american amateur has grown both in quality and in sophistication and i, I just think it's doing wonders for the region already and the players that are coming out of there are just getting better and better even being, you know, exhibit A to that. And I mean, I think when Toto Gano won last year, he was ranked 400th and something in the world. And he didn't make the cut at Augusta. And, and Paul Shablett before him was now playing out in Arizona or Arizona State. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one exactly. He's from Costa Rica. Um, you know, he's a good player, but not, you know, it's a question whether he can play professional golf or not. But this kid, Neiman, he really can. And I think, you know, a guy like Ortiz also can. And I just think it's getting better and better. Neiman could easily make the cut at, at the Masters. I know that's a tall order, but he, he has the talent to do it. 
absolutely, and he's certainly got the length, mm-hmm. and he's got the finesse and the putting skills. So yeah, nobody would be surprised to see him make the cut there. So uh, so after the Latin America Am, you made your way down to Orlando for the PGA show. Would you rate it any differently from past shows in terms of excitement? I know it's kind of a tough thing to to, to measure. Um, where do you kind of rank this PGA show in relation to other ones you've been to? It's a very hard one to, for me to rank because of um, I did not arrive until Wednesday night, so I missed demo day. And there's a quick backstory to that. The uh, Latin American Amateur was scheduled to end, of course, on a Sunday, as it always should, Sunday the 21st of January. But after it was scheduled, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis would be visiting Chile uh, that same week of the tournament. So they backed the tournament up two days. Only the Pope could get Augusta mm-hmm. and the RNA, the USGA, to move a tournament. And uh, I guess. And so I didn't get to Orlando until Wednesday night. So I have kind of a skewed view of the show because I got in sort of at the tail end. But I still found it in my time Thursday on the floor. Uh, lots of activity. You know, relatively good enthusiasm. I think there is a... Um, you know, there's a, a very rational exuberance as opposed to the old days of an irrational exuberance uh, down there. But uh, I saw a lot of people uh, walking the aisles. I saw a lot of enthusiasm for some of the new products. Uh, I think people are pumped up about the economy. I think people in areas like travel, which uh, relies on a good, strong economy, are feeling pretty good about things. So, uh, And I got, had lots of meetings and lots of encounters with folks. And for me, it was enormously productive and fun on time as it always is. So I'd say it's, it's about the same, no greater, no less, although there's a little bit more of a buzz with some of the new product and, again, some of the you know the economic outlook being a little bit stronger right now. Equipment-wise, we had Callaway release the Rogue following up their success with the Epic last year, but did anything else catch your eye that, that was on the PGA show floor? Well, it's hard not to be impressed with the you know what TaylorMade is putting out, the M3 and the M4 drivers and and, and the fairways and hybrids that, that come from that. I, I mean, uh, Titleist has new golf balls, the Tour, um, uh, the Tour Soft, which is replacing the NXT, and, and that was a very impressive-looking uh, uh, product. I, I also enjoyed seeing um, these new golf bags and travel gear lines that Titleist is putting out. They're getting into an area that they've really farmed out before but never really dug that deep in themselves and and that impressed me uh ping's got um you know in addition to its uh, g400 driver line and um it advances in uh, the glide uh, wedges and also the wall putter so that was something that struck me um is interesting one of my favorite products down there was this thing called sound caddy which is a speaker uh bluetooth speaker that is in the shape of a club head like a driver head that you can put in your golf bag or you can put in a spike in the ground when you're hitting balls or practicing your putting that is an excellent speaker that you can um, then sync in with your uh, uh, your ipad your i uh pod your iphone whatever you want and play music mm. so uh, i was amazed at the uh, quality of the sound and and uh how good that was and and the concepts which i found in certain places like down in cabo where you have the resorts and the little more devil may care attitude you're not going to see this in seminole or pine valley but you're down there the tequila's flowing at the halfway house and they get you know (laughs) they get music cranking on the driving range and uh i thought that was a very very cool innovation so uh i like that a lot got a kick out of that and uh 
just wandering around and you're right those row clubs look really really good and there's just every year even though uh, the parameters are definitely there in terms of how far people can go from a technology standpoint the equipment makers still keep finding ways to enhance uh, what we as golfers get to play with and that's pretty cool stuff it's incredible what they come up with every year in terms of the new product section and always amazes me walking down that aisle yes you never know what what they're gonna what they're gonna come up with next <laughs> Well, they devote a lot of resources to it and a lot of aerospace, um, uh, you know, R&D uh, intelligence comes into this industry and they're just always working hard to advance it. And they seem to just find ways every year to kind of make it a little bit easier for us to play if we can just get our swings right and get our uh, club faces square on the golf balls. <laughs> That's the easy part, right? <laughs> All right. Totally. Well, it was a good show, though. I had a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it and I just thought, you know... For me, it works. It's interesting. And I always think of all my golf buddies, how much they would love to see it because it really is, for those of us who love the game, it's kid in the, kid in the candy store, isn't it? When you're walking around and there's oh, all that product absolutely. to oh, look yeah. at. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Steiny. It was, uh, it was, it was a good, uh, good conversation. Love to have you back next time. Anytime. Love being with you guys. Thanks so much. John, real quick before we jump into our selections um, about the PGA Tours Waste Management Phoenix Open, what was your favorite part of the PGA show last week? So I saw a couple of really cool products that I wanted to touch on touch on really briefly here. One of them mm -hmm. is a, a smart umbrella called the uh, the Weatherman umbrella, and it's uh, <laughs> just recently out. They they just uh, had it available for retail in, in November. And uh, basically what it is, is uh, it's a beautiful umbrella, very sturdy, has a place for your golf club inside the umbrella, also a place for your towel inside the umbrella, um, fantastic for either sun or, uh, or rain. Um, but it has an app on your phone that tells you uh, where you're going to be, whether it's going to uh, rain or not, and uh, where your umbrella is if you've lost it. So it's kind of oh, wow. kind of a pretty pretty neat idea. So I thought I thought that was great. Look for that in an upcoming issue of uh, Global Golf Post in the gear section, and uh, and also one other thing I saw was the Biomech putting sensor, and uh, this thing's really cool for anyone who's been to like a Sam putting lab or any kind of uh, you know putting lab where they they have uh, your Lion Loft you know d d you know uh, analyzed for you and. And your, and your putting stroke, the arc of it analyzed. This thing's really cool because basically it just clips onto your putter and you can go out to the course anytime and it, it uh, sends you data directly to your, your phone or iPad or whatever you want to use. And you could see your, your putting stroke in 3D, look at it from all different angles. And uh, believe me, this thing is, is really incredible. It's pretty, pretty sweet to see. You basically um, can get instant feedback on your putting stroke immediately and uh, it tells you, okay, you're five degrees open on the way back and two degrees closed on the way through. You need to fix that. And it's uh, it immediately improved my putting stroke in the uh, quick lesson I had with Laird Small, who is the uh, PGA pro over at Pebble Beach. So um, those two products kind of, uh, kind of stuck out to me. Very cool. The yeah. umbrella sounds really interesting and I feel <laughs> like I wouldn't just use it for golf. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Right. You, you, you put it, know. you can put in where you like, where you work and, uh, yeah. you know, your office uh, or where you live, I should say, in your office. And it'll tell you, yeah. okay, for like these nine hours, you'll be, uh, you'll be uh, <laughs> either in rain or out of rain or you don't need it or you do need it. So it's pretty cool. 
pretty wild. So yeah. I like those two products. Thanks for sharing those with us. That so is. let's jump right into the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is um, being played at TPC Scottsdale this week, where Hideki Matsuyama is the defending champ. Um, I'm going to make my pick first, and I am going with world number two, John Rahm, as my favorite to win. Um, does anyone remember when he wore former Arizona State Sun Devil Pat Tillman's jersey on the 16th hole and finished top five as an amateur? That was a, that was a so fun cool. time, and then he that was so cool. And then he finished T sixteen last year, and he's just on fire right now. Like win T two, win, and now you know he's going into another tournament where he can play well. So um, I'm picking John Rahm. Yeah, um, I'm not going to overcomplicate things this week. Just, just like your pick, you know, going right to the top of the shelf. I'm going to go with Matsuyama. I'm not going to uh, overthink it. You know. He, uh, he played very well last week. I think he was T16, uh, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, he's won this thing the past two years. So uh, we've yep. seen it sometimes where, you know, Steve Stricker won the uh, John Deere three times in a row. You know, some, sometimes these guys just love playing a certain event and they uh, they play so well at certain places. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's do Matsuyama versus Rom. I think that, that'd be a good showdown. Absolutely. Yeah. And and right before the Super Bowl. So my last question to you is, who do you got, New England Patriots or the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I mean, who I want to win, I want the Eagles to win because we're tired of the Patriots. But I'm, if I was a betting man, I would not bet on uh, on, on Philadelphia, Philadelphia to win. So I'd have to pick the Patriots if I, if I was, uh, was going to uh, put any money on it. <laughs> I'd have to echo your thoughts. As a Bills fan, I do not want the Patriots to win, but at the same time, I think they are going to win. Yeah. It's just it just it is what it is. That's Tom the way Brady's it goes. the GOAT. Yeah. Tom Brady's the GOAT. What yes. can we do? Yes. Anyways, all right. Well, that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to follow Global Golf Post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Global Golf Post. And if you have any specific topics for us to discuss, message us or tweet us. So until next time, hit them straight. See you later.